part two chapter five of under western eyes by joseph conrad this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two chapter five with a quick inclination of the head for us both and an earnest friendly glance at the young man miss holden left us covering our heads and looking after her straight supple figure receding rapidly her walk was not that hybrid and uncertain gliding affected by some women but a frank strong healthy movement forward rapidly she increased the distance disappeared with suddenness at last i discovered only then that mr razumov after ramming his hat well over his brow was looking me over from head to foot i dare say i was a very unexpected fact for that young russian to stumble upon i caught in his physiognomy and his whole bearing an expression compounded of curiosity and scorn tempered by alarm as though he had been holding his breath while i was not looking but his eyes met mine with a gaze direct enough i saw then for the first time that they were of a clear brown colour and fringed with thick black eyelashes they were the youngest feature of his face not at all unpleasant eyes he swayed slightly leaning on his stick and generally hung in the wind it flashed upon me that in leaving us together miss holden had an intention that something was entrusted to me since by a mere accident i had been found at hand on this assumed ground i put all possible friendliness into my manner i cast about for some right thing to say and suddenly in miss holden's last words i perceived the clue to the nature of my mission no i said gravely if with a smile you cannot be expected to understand his clean-shaven lip quivered ever so little before he said as if wickedly amused but haven't you heard just now i was thanked by that young lady for understanding so well i looked at him rather hard was there a hidden and inexplicable sneer in this retort no it was not that it might have been resentment yes but what had he to resent he looked as though he had not slept very well of late i could almost feel on me the weight of his unrefreshed motionless stare the stare of a man who lies unwinking in the dark angrily passive in the toils of disastrous thoughts now when i know how true it was i can honestly affirm that this was the effect he produced on me it was painful in a curiously indefinite way for of course the definition comes to me now while i sit writing in the fullness of my knowledge but this is what the effect was at that time of absolute ignorance this new sort of uneasiness which he seemed to be forcing upon me i attempted to put down by assuming a conversational easy familiarity that extremely charming and essentially admirable young girl i am as you see old enough to be frank in my expressions was referring to her own feelings surely you must have understood that much he made such a brusque movement that he even tottered a little must understand this not expected to understand that i may have other things to do and the girl is charming and admirable well and if she is i suppose i can see that for myself this sally would have been insulting if his voice had not been practically extinct dried up in his throat and the rustling effort of his speech too painful to give real offence i remained silent checked between the obvious fact and the subtle impression it was open to me to leave him there and then but the sense of having been entrusted with a mission the suggestion of miss holden's last glance was strong upon me after a moment of reflection i said 
shall we walk together a little he shrugged his shoulders so violently that he tottered again i saw it out of the corner of my eye as i moved on with him at my elbow he had fallen back a little and was practically out of my sight unless i turned my head to look at him i did not wish to indispose him still further by an appearance of marked curiosity it might have been distasteful to such a young and secret refugee from under the pestilential shadow hiding the true kindly face of his land and the shadow the attendant of his countrymen stretching across the middle of europe was lying on him too darkening his figure to my mental vision without doubt i said to myself he seems a sombre even a desperate revolutionist but he is young he may be unselfish and humane capable of compassion of i heard him clear gratingly his parched throat and became all attention this is beyond everything were his first words it is beyond everything i find you here for no reason that i can understand in possession of something i cannot be expected to understand a confidant a foreigner talking about an admirable russian girl is the admirable girl a fool i begin to wonder what are you at what is your object he was barely audible as if his throat had no more resonance than a dry rag a piece of tinder it was so pitiful that i found it extremely easy to control my indignation when you have lived a little longer mr razumov you will discover that no woman is an absolute fool i am not a feminist like that illustrious author peter ivanovitch who to say the truth is not a little suspect to me he interrupted me in a surprising note of whispering astonishment suspect to you peter ivanovitch suspect to you to you yes in a certain aspect he is i said dismissing my remark lightly as i was saying mr razumov when you have lived long enough you will learn to discriminate between the noble trustfulness of a nature foreign to every meanness and the flattered credulity of some women though even the credulous silly as they may be unhappy as they are sure to be are never absolute fools it is my belief that no woman is ever completely deceived those that are lost leap into the abyss with their eyes open if all the truth were known upon my word he cried at my elbow what is it to me whether women are fools or lunatics i really don't care what you think of them i i am not interested in them i let them be i am not a young man in a novel how do you know that i want to learn anything about women what is the meaning of all this the object you mean of this conversation which i admit i have forced upon you in a measure forced object he repeated still keeping half a pace or so behind me you wanted to talk about women apparently that's a subject but i don't care for it i have never in fact i have had other subjects to think about i am concerned here with one woman only a young girl the sister of your dead friend miss holden surely you can think a little of her what i meant from the first was that there is a situation which you cannot be expected to understand i listened to his unsteady footfalls by my side for the space of several strides i think that it may prepare the ground for your next interview with miss holden if i tell you of it i imagine that she might have had something of the kind in her mind when she left us together i believe myself authorized to speak the peculiar situation i have alluded to has arisen in the first grief and distress of victor holden's execution there was something peculiar in the circumstances of his arrest you no doubt know the whole truth i felt my arm seized above the elbow 
and next instant found myself swung so as to face mr razumov you spring up from the ground before me with this talk who the devil are you this is not to be borne why what for what do you know what is or is not peculiar what have you to do with any confounded circumstances or with anything that happens in russia anyway he leaned on his stick with his other hand heavily and when he let go my arm i was certain in my mind that he was hardly able to keep on his feet let us sit down at one of these vacant tables i proposed disregarding this display of unexpectedly profound emotion it was not without its effect on me i confess i was sorry for him what tables what are you talking about oh the empty tables the tables there certainly i will sit at one of the empty tables i led him away from the path to the very centre of the raft of deals before the chalet the swiss couple were gone by that time we were alone on the raft so to speak mr razumov dropped into a chair let fall his stick and propped on his elbows his head between his hands stared at me persistently openly and continuously while i signalled the waiter and ordered some beer i could not quarrel with this silent inspection very well because truth to tell i felt somewhat guilty of having been sprung on him with some abruptness of having sprung from the ground as he expressed it while waiting to be served i mentioned that born from parents settled in st petersburg i had acquired the language as a child the town i did not remember having left it for good as a boy of nine but in later years i had renewed my acquaintance with the language he listened without as much as moving his eyes the least little bit he had to change his position when the beer came and the instant draining of his glass revived him he leaned back in his chair and folding his arms across his chest continued to stare at me squarely it occurred to me that his clean-shaven almost swarthy face was really of the very mobile sort and that the absolute stillness of it was the acquired habit of a revolutionist of a conspirator everlastingly on his guard against self-betrayal in a world of secret spies but you are an englishman a teacher of english literature he murmured in a voice that was no longer issuing from a parched throat i have heard of you people told me you have lived here for years quite true more than twenty years and i have been assisting miss holden with her english studies you have been reading english poetry with her he said immovable now like another man altogether a complete stranger to the man of the heavy and uncertain footfalls a little while ago at my elbow yes english poetry i said but the trouble of which i speak was caused by an english newspaper he continued to stare at me i don't think he was aware that the story of the midnight arrest had been ferreted out by an english journalist and given to the world when i explained this to him he muttered contemptuously it may have been altogether a lie i should think you are the best judge of that i retorted a little disconcerted i must confess that to me it looks to be true in the main how can you tell truth from lies he queried in his new immovable manner i don't know how you do it in russia i began rather nettled by his attitude he interrupted me in russia and in general everywhere in a newspaper for instance the colour of the ink and the shapes of the letters are the same well there are other trifles one can go by the character of the publication the general verisimilitude of the news the consideration of the motive and so on i don't trust blindly the accuracy of special correspondence but why should this one have gone to the trouble of concocting a circumstantial falsehood on a matter of no importance to the world 
that's what it is he grumbled what's going on with us is of no importance a mere sensational story to amuse the readers of the papers the superior contemptuous europe it is hateful to think of but let them wait a bit he broke off on this sort of threat addressed to the western world disregarding the anger in his stare i pointed out that whether the journalist was well or ill-informed the concern of the friends of these ladies was with the effect the few lines of print in question had produced the effect alone and surely he must be counted as one of the friends if only for the sake of his late comrade and intimate fellow-revolutionist at that point i thought he was going to speak vehemently but he only astounded me by the convulsive start of his whole body he restrained himself folded his loosened arms tighter across his chest and sat back with a smile in which there was a twitch of scorn and malice yes a comrade and an intimate very well he said i ventured to speak to you on that assumption and i cannot be mistaken i was present when peter ivanovitch announced your arrival here to miss haldin and i saw her relief and thankfulness when your name was mentioned afterwards she showed me her brother's letter and read out the few words in which he alludes to you what else but a friend could you have been obviously that's perfectly well known a friend quite correct go on you were talking of some effect i said to myself he puts on the callousness of a stern revolutionist the insensibility to common emotions of a man devoted to a destructive idea he is young and his sincerity assumes a pose before a stranger a foreigner an old man youth must assert itself as concisely as possible i exposed to him the state of mind poor mrs holden had been thrown into by the news of her son's untimely end he listened i felt it with profound attention his level stare deflected gradually downwards left my face and rested at last on the ground at his feet you can enter into the sister's feelings as you said i have only read a little english poetry with her and i won't make myself ridiculous in your eyes by trying to speak of her but you have seen her she is one of these rare human beings that do not want explaining at least i think so they had only that son that brother for a link with a wider world with the future the very groundwork of active existence for natalie haldin is gone with him can you wonder then that she turns with eagerness to the only man her brother mentions in his letters your name is a sort of legacy what could he have written of me he cried in a low exasperated tone only a few words it is not for me to repeat them to you mr razumov but you may believe my assertion that these words are forcible enough to make both his mother and his sister believe implicitly in the worth of your judgment and in the truth of anything you may have to say to them it's impossible for you now to pass them by like strangers i paused and for a moment sat listening to the footsteps of the few people passing up and down the broad central walk while i was speaking his head had sunk upon his breast above his folded arms he raised it sharply must i go then and lie to that old woman it was not anger it was something else something more poignant and not so simple i was aware of it sympathetically while i was profoundly concerned at the nature of that exclamation dear me won't the truth do then i hoped you could have told them something consoling i am thinking of the poor mother now your russia is a cruel country he moved a little in his chair yes i repeated i thought you would have had something authentic to tell the twitching of his lips before he spoke was curious what if it is not worth telling not worth 
from what point of view i don't understand from every point of view i spoke with some asperity i should think that anything which could explain the circumstances of that midnight arrest reported by a journalist for the amusement of the civilized europe he broke in scornfully yes reported but aren't they true i can't make out your attitude in this either the man is a hero to you or he approached his face with fiercely distended nostrils close to mine so suddenly that i had the greatest difficulty in not starting back you ask me i suppose it amuses you all this look here i am a worker i studied yes i studied very hard there is intelligence here he tapped his forehead with his fingertips don't you think a russian may have sane ambitions yes i had even prospects certainly i had and now you see me here abroad everything gone lost sacrificed you see me here and you ask you see me don't you sitting before you he threw himself back violently i kept outwardly calm yes i see you here and i assume you are here on account of the holden affair his manner changed you call it the holden affair do you he observed indifferently i have no right to ask you anything i said i wouldn't presume but in that case the mother and the sister of him who must be a hero in your eyes cannot be indifferent to you the girl is a frank and generous creature having the noblest well illusions you will tell her nothing or you will tell her everything but speaking now of the object with which i have approached you first we have to deal with the morbid state of the mother perhaps something could be invented under your authority as a cure for a distracted and suffering soul filled with maternal affection his air of weary indifference was accentuated i could not help thinking wilfully oh yes something might he mumbled carelessly he put his hand over his mouth to conceal a yawn when he uncovered his lips they were smiling faintly pardon me this has been a long conversation and i have not had much sleep the last two nights this unexpected somewhat insolent sort of apology had the merit of being perfectly true he had had no nightly rest to speak of since that day when in the grounds of the chateau borel the sister of victor holden had appeared before him the perplexities and the complex terrors i may say of this sleeplessness are recorded in the document i was to see later the document which is the main source of this narrative at the moment he looked to me convincingly tired gone slack all over like a man who has passed through some sort of crisis i have had a lot of urgent writing to do he added i rose from my chair at once and he followed my example without haste a little heavily i must apologize for detaining you so long i said why apologize one can't very well go to bed before night and you did not detain me i could have left you at any time i had not stayed with him to be offended i am glad you have been sufficiently interested i said calmly no merit of mine though the commonest sort of regard for the mother of your friend was enough as to miss holden herself she at one time was disposed to think that her brother had been betrayed to the police in some way to my great surprise mr razumov sat down again suddenly i stared at him and i must say that he returned my stare without winking for quite a considerable time in some way he mumbled as if he had not understood or could not believe his ears some unforeseen event a sheer accident might have done that i went on or as she characteristically put it to me the folly or weakness of some unhappy fellow-revolutionist folly or weakness he repeated bitterly 
she is a very generous creature i observed after a time the man admired by victor haldin fixed his eyes on the ground i turned away and moved off apparently unnoticed by him i nourished no resentment of the moody brusqueness with which he had treated me the sentiment i was carrying away from that conversation was that of hopelessness before i had got fairly clear of the raft of chairs and tables he had rejoined me hm yes i heard him at my elbow again but what do you think i did not look round even i think that you people are under a curse he made no sound it was only on the pavement outside the gate that i heard him again i should like to walk with you a little after all i preferred this enigmatical young man to his celebrated compatriot the great peter ivanovitch but i saw no reason for being particularly gracious i am going now to the railway station by the shortest way from here to meet a friend from england i said for all answer to his unexpected proposal i hoped that something informing could come of it as we stood on the curbstone waiting for a tram-car to pass he remarked gloomily i like what you said just now do you we stepped off the pavement together the great problem he went on is to understand thoroughly the nature of the curse that's not very difficult i think i think so too he agreed with me and his readiness strangely enough did not make him less enigmatical in the least a curse is an evil spell i tried him again and the important the great problem is to find the means to break it yes to find the means that was also an assent but he seemed to be thinking of something else we had crossed diagonally the open space before the theatre and began to descend a broad sparely frequented street in the direction of one of the smaller bridges he kept on by my side without speaking for a long time you are not thinking of leaving geneva soon i asked he was silent for so long that i began to think i had been indiscreet and should get no answer at all yet on looking at him i almost believed that my question had caused him something in the nature of positive anguish i detected it mainly in the clasping of his hands in which he put a great force stealthily once however he had overcome that sort of agonizing hesitation sufficiently to tell me that he had no such intention he became rather communicative at least relatively to the former off-hand curtness of his speeches the tone too was more amiable he informed me that he intended to study and also to write he went even so far as to tell me he had been to stuttgart stuttgart i was aware was one of the revolutionary centres the directing committee of one of the russian parties i can't tell now which was located in that town it was there that he got into touch with the active work of the revolutionists outside russia i have never been abroad before he explained in a rather inanimate voice now then after a slight hesitation altogether different from the agonizing irresolution my first simple question whether he meant to stay in geneva had aroused he made me an unexpected confidence the fact is i have received a sort of mission from them which will keep you here in geneva yes here in this odious i was satisfied with my faculty for putting two and two together when i drew the inference that the mission had something to do with the person of the great peter ivanovitch but i kept that surmise to myself naturally and mr razumov said nothing more for some considerable time it was only when we were nearly on the bridge we had been making for that he opened his lips again abruptly could i see that precious article anywhere i had to think for a moment before i saw what he was referring to 
it has been reproduced in parts by the press here there are files to be seen in various places my copy of the english newspaper i have left with miss holden i remember on the day after it reached me i was sufficiently worried by seeing it lying on a table by the side of the poor mother's chair for weeks then it disappeared it was a relief i assure you he had stopped short i trust i continued that you will find time to see these ladies fairly often that you will make time he stared at me so queerly that i hardly know how to define his aspect i could not understand it in this connection at all what ailed him i asked myself what strange thought had come into his head what vision of all the horrors that can be seen in his hopeless country had come suddenly to haunt his brain if it were anything connected with the fate of victor holden then i hoped earnestly he would keep it to himself for ever i was to speak plainly so shocked that i tried to conceal my impression by heaven forgive me a smile and the assumption of a light manner surely i exclaimed that needn't cost you a great effort he turned away from me and leaned over the parapet of the bridge for a moment i waited looking at his back and yet i assure you i was not anxious just then to look at his face again he did not move at all he did not mean to move i walked on slowly on my way towards the station and at the end of the bridge i glanced over my shoulder no he had not moved he hung well over the parapet as if captivated by the smooth rush of the blue water under the arch the current there is swift extremely swift it makes some people dizzy i myself can never look at it for any length of time without experiencing a dread of being suddenly snatched away by its destructive force some brains cannot resist the suggestion of irresistible power and of headlong motion it apparently had a charm for mr razumov i left him hanging far over the parapet of the bridge the way he had behaved to me could not be put down to mere boorishness there was something else under his scorn and impatience perhaps i thought with sudden approach to hidden truth it was the same thing which had kept him over a week nearly ten days indeed from coming near miss holden but what it was i could not tell end of part two chapter five recording by expatriate in bangor maine